values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, final hour of the show, kicking off right now as we talk about the economy. It is what more and more people are concerned about because more and more people are finding themselves in a tough situation. This headline is heartbreaking. It's humiliating. U.S. voters struggle with hunger ahead of midterms. And this details what some people are enduring. It was humiliating, said uh, uh, Danielle Barwick, 31 years old, uh, directed traffic with a big orange flag. It wasn't long ago that Barwick, a Columbus mother of four, was on the other side of the food bank equation. She said it was humiliating, who lost her job during the pandemic and realized she had no protein in the house and had to use all of her fast food uh, coupons, decided to visit a food pantry at a local church. I was embarrassed and sad. Um, The stigma, first of all, I think the stigma is wrong. Um, it's interesting. We all would be the first one if somebody were to say, I need help. We would. I think the human instinct is that we would reach out and try to help someone. Uh, we all want to be someone that helps. But it's very difficult for people to ask for help. I, I, I fall into that camp as well. I don't want to I don't want to rely or lean on other people. I want to be self-sufficient. It would be embarrassing. I look at that situation when people are in it, and I think um, I don't see anything wrong with being in need, especially when you're looking at working families. I want them to get the help. And one of the things I love, um, let me talk, I talk often about the organizations I've worked very well with. One of the things that I have loved the most about St. Vincent de Paul is that at St. Vincent de Paul, when you go to their facility, and I've been to their main campus a number of times, many times, and one of the things that I love about that place is you cannot tell often the difference between people that are recipients of care and, and the things they offer, volunteers or employees. Everybody is treated equally. When I walk around with the former uh, the former head of, the, of, of St. Vincent de Paul, he just retired, um, walking around the campus with him or with Shannon, who is the new CEO there, um, many times I've walked the campus. You would know if somebody was there as a volunteer, one of their employees – or somebody that was there receiving whatever it is that they were being offered because that's how they treat everyone with the same kind of human dignity and kindness. And it's one of the things that I love about that organization, and it's echoed by many others. Uh, when you go to uh, St. Mary's Food Bank and you work with them or United Food Bank, when you go there as a volunteer, you're treated like a, a great person that's helping. But when you watch them give out the emergency food boxes or the emergency food bags, when you watch them do what they do, they treat the recipients with the same kind of kindness and care. And I think that's an important element to remember that need is – it ebbs and flows. And when you're in need, remember it. Remember what that feels like and always when you're on the other side, go and help out. And I, I you see so many people um, – I spoke one year at the breakfast for St. Vincent de Paul at their fundraiser breakfast. And one of the people that spoke before I did was someone that had been there and had been a recipient of the kindness of St. St. Vincent de Paul and now gone back and is a volunteer and working there because they realize how important it is to do that. So while we talk about this economy and more and more people finding themselves with food insecurity and a need to feed their children and having to find help to feed their children, um, I think in the long run it's going to make us stronger because you realize, A, it could always be you, and B, remember the kindness that was shown to you, and you're going to show that kindness to other people. But this story chronicles a lot of families that are hardworking, that are finding themselves in need. 
this is where I believe the White House, this administration, this president is making their biggest mistake is when they start talking about how great everything is. There's not going to be a recession. Um, they almost uh, no acknowledgement. They'll say and the president does say people have a reason to be concerned about energy prices or about this. But people are being crushed by all of this. People are being crushed by this financially, and it is one thing which I've been through when you are crushed financially and it's your own doing. You know, the economy fell south in construction back in 08, 09, um, but the reason why my business didn't survive was I made a lot of mistakes in business. Um, and I look back now and think if I had another chance at that business, I would do things so dramatically differently. I learned from a lot of mistakes I made. When it feels self-induced, it's a different kind of embarrassment maybe or a different kind of sadness. But to be someone that is still working hard and that is still out there pounding the pavement, you're doing your job and you're sacrificing for your children and you still can't make ends meet, it is a demoralizing feeling. When you lose hope, it's over. When we know the end has come, when we, we know that the end of the problem, when the, when the pandemic was largely over in the minds of the majority of people, we were not out of the woods financially. No, many businesses weren't, but they knew that the worst was over, that hope is there. Uh, I've talked about storm relief and what's going on. As a matter of fact, I believe we're going to be talking with the sheriff of Lee County about Hurricane Ian tomorrow on the show after the governor joins us tomorrow. And one of the things I want to talk about is that hope because now you see people being begin to dig out. You see people begin to rebuild. There is a sense of hope there. When you take hope away, that feeling of hopelessness, there's nothing worse. And there are many people that are feeling this way, and they're not being acknowledged by this administration. As a matter of fact, this administration continues to lobby for policies that are going to make it harder for businesses to do business. And the converse, the other side of that, look at the other side of that coin. Look at how well Arizona is performing compared to other places when it comes to the economy and jobs. Uh, and we've lowered taxes. We've made it easier for businesses to do business. We've allowed businesses to – and it's such a sad thing to say we We've allowed, but we have allowed businesses, small business, big business, individuals to keep more of their money and give less of it to the government. That has been working wonders. There was a record number of people that left the state of New York and headed to Florida this year. One of the months was a record number of people leaving New York, wealthy people leaving New York and relocating down to Florida because there's zero income taxes. You see what works and you see what doesn't. And yet we continue to have a large segment of our population that lobbies in favor of these these dumb ideas. There's no other way of putting it. The idea of – just very quickly, I want you to hear this about gig workers, people that are working that are considered to be contract workers and what the Labor Department might do. In this gig economy, there are more classifications of workers than ever before. Consultants, contractors, contributors, casuals, freelancers, and of course, employees, full and part-time. So which one are you? And are you sure about it? The Labor Department says many companies are getting it wrong that thousands of workers who are classified as, say, contractors really should be employed 
employees based on things like the number of hours they work. That would put them in line for benefits like pay raises and health care. The government's going to get involved in this. There are many contract workers, gig workers, independent contractors that are saying, stay out of this. Truckers especially are saying in California are saying, don't do this. You are going to run us out of business. We're going to sell our rigs and we're going to go do something else because we can't afford what's going to happen next. And they continue to do these things with climate change and more regulation from the EPA and pushing in this direction. The Inflation Reduction Act, which didn't reduce inflation at all, and it's just nothing but a green energy bill, and it's making things more expensive. And yet the president goes out there and says there is no recession. There probably isn't going to be a recession. If there was a recession, it's going to be a tiny recession. And meanwhile, you've got stories being written all over the country about families that are hungry and families that can't feed their children. I think it's just a mistake. you got to acknowledge, you have to acknowledge the plight of the people. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's Did You Hear This? And it's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Time to catch you up on the big news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Last night, President Biden was interviewed by CNN's Jake Tapper and was pressed on questions about a recession. They've been saying this now how uh, every every six months they say every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. There's no guarantee that they're going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. Were you surprised by his comments? Yeah, I am. I'm very surprised. I am surprised that there isn't an acknowledgement of hurt. They have every excuse in the world. And I mean this sincerely. They have every reason behind them. They can talk about the continuing war in Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia for the food shortage and the lack of wheat that's out there because it comes from that region, because of oil prices, what Europe is enduring with what they're going to do to try to heat their homes this winter. There are a lot of reasons they can give for all of this happening and acknowledging that the Americans are going through very difficult times right now, but we are doing our best to mitigate that damage. Instead, they keep telling everybody everything's just fine and it it does surprise me that they're still going with this narrative because when you look at the popularity of the president, his lowest poll numbers are in the economy and jobs sector. Republican nominee for U.S. Senate, Blake Masters, joined the show today and was asked about his thoughts on polling data. So to think that I'm going to go down and I'm down 15 points. No, it is fake. It's what's called a suppression poll. It's designed to push a narrative and demoralize Republicans. Do you think these polls de- uh, demoralize Republicans? I don't. I, I think that it depends on what it is. I, I mean, I know Mike Noble over at OH Predictive Insights. Um, he came on and said that he got it wrong in the gubernatorial race in the support that was out there for Karen Taylor Robes, and he made an acknowledgement that there was mistakes in how they did that. And what Blake Masters is saying, there is some truth to this. If you look at Real Clear Politics, which is a clearinghouse of a lot of these polls, across the board, it shows that Blake Masters is down four points. And at that website, they are predicting a Masters victory. Who Who's right? I don't know. Do I think this was done intentionally? I don't. But I don't know how this poll could be so much different than what the national polls are saying. I'm anxious to see what the next one says as we get closer. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. KTR Newsroom just spoke to OH Predictive Insights pollster Mike Noble, and he reacted to what the data shows about Blake Masters' numbers. His, his unfavorable numbers are terrible. Like, he has a terrible image. And you look at the broadcast spending that has been happening since 
election day. He was an unknown quantity coming into the electorate, and he's been bombarded with negative ads. And a lot of the ads have been stuff that's his own words against him. Do you think that's where this discrepancy lies? Yeah, it might. Uh, you know, again, the, the ads have been very effective. Mark Kelly has a ton of money, and he's spending it. Now, uh, has, has Blake Masters done enough to come out and say, my words are taken out of context. Here's the entirety of what I said. Did he get help in the debate by saying, here's where my stance is on these issues when it comes to veterans, when he criticized leadership in the military? This is what I said. This is how I said it. This is what I meant. We don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Mike uh, Mike Noble over at OH Predictive Insights is someone we rely on quite a bit, but we have to acknowledge that the numbers that, that Noble is putting out are dramatically different than some of the other polling data that's out there. And I'm anxious to see if his next poll is more in line with what the national polls say, or if the national polls, the next time they put them out, start to shift more to what Noble had to say. We'll see. Tonight was supposed to be the gubernatorial debate between Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. Instead, Lake will be interviewed by herself for 30 minutes. Who will benefit from this non-debate situation? It has to be Carrie Lake. There's no doubt. There's no way that this is helpful to Katie Hobbs. Um, there is uh, there's new Project Veritas video out there of Hobbs talking about the campaigning. Um, the video has come out. It shows her as weak and afraid. I'm not saying that she is. I'm saying that is the way it appears to many people. The people that are already supporting Katie Hobbs are saying, nope, she's doing the right thing. She's staying above the phrase. She's not going to cave into this. But you've already got those voters. There are independent voters out there that have not made up their mind, and they're trying to figure out which of these two candidates is going to be the best governor, at least for the next four years. And there is no way that you can show it to those voters by not debating. Debating is a way you stand up and you're able to say, I'm not the way that my my opponent makes me out to be. I am not that person at all. And the other thing about this is that people know intellectually, let's say Carrie Lake is as crazy as you say she is. If I'm a candidate, I want to expose that. I want to let her talk. I'd go to that debate. I'd poke her with the stick, figuratively speaking, and I'd let her go crazy and show everybody. And then I'd look at the camera and say, see, there is no good reason to not debate. And she's showing weakness by doing it, I think. Um, as you can tell, I might have an opinion or two about this debating. I, I just think it's a mistake. I think it's a disservice to the voters. There are a lot of there are a lot of undecided voters out there. There is a huge, huge and growing segment of our population that are independent voters, and they are have not made up their mind. Many of them haven't. And in a in an election where people have already thought or already think, and the polls are showing that this is a very, very close race. Carrie Lake goes on television today and people are going to watch because it has been so publicized and it's this race is top the top of the ticket. And I think that when she sits down and she starts clarifying her positions and nuanced positions on things and saying, this is why I believe this. This is what I think about that. There's no way it can't be helpful to her. It will be helpful. And if you think that she is prone to self-destruction, if you're her political opponent, you want to make sure you facilitate that happening. There's no good reason, no good reason why the secretary of state isn't debating here. And uh, and I think that that's being proven out by what the poll numbers are saying about the debate itself. Now, that doesn't mean she's not going to win the election. I don't know that either. But I do think this hurts her. No way it doesn't. What are special interest migrants? We talked about this earlier, a little bit about immigration. Next.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, an interesting story from yesterday that we talked quite a bit about is flights from Health and Human Services. And I wonder if there will be a follow-up on all of this because it is a great question. As Health and Human Services, are they flying uh, people in the country illegally? Are they flying them to cities like New York? And the reason why it's a compelling and interesting question and probably needs to be answered is the narrative that the uh, the governors of Arizona, Texas, and Florida are doing a disservice and are actually using people as pawns by flying them. Uh, the vice president of the United States uh, criticized the governor. I think it was Governor Abbott specifically. Um, it might have been all of them, but uh, saying that you know there are little children. These are mothers and children that are getting off of these flights and off of these buses, and how, how horrible it is to do this to these people. Um, first of all, the, I've pointed out that the journey from wherever they are in El Paso, Texas, to wherever they're ending up is the safest part of the journey that they've made. Um, if you're coming to this country being led in by coyotes, you are in grave danger all the time. It's cooling off a bit, which is great news for the people that are coming, so it's not as dangerous from the heat, but you are going to see increased in numbers as the weather gets nicer. But it is dangerous because you are treated like uh, cargo, that if you fall behind, you fall behind. You are left for dead. It includes children. Um so the hypocrisy in that part of the answer itself is is just really funny. But if Health and Human Services are doing exactly the same thing that the governors of Texas and Arizona and Florida are doing, which is putting people on buses or airplanes and just sending them to places and not notifying those places that they're coming. Most recently, it was uh, in New York, and I believe it was Orange County in New York that uh, specifically – that these flights are showing up and they're not telling anybody they're coming. They're showing up. People are getting off the planes. Now, Department of Homeland Security said we have nothing to do with this. But uh, Health and Human Services wouldn't answer the question. Health and Human Services would not confirm nor deny or make any comment about these flights. It shows you the utter hypocrisy in what's going on. It shows you that what they are trying to do is hide the truth because they know it makes it bad for them. But hiding the truth also makes it bad for the people that are coming here. You can sympathize or empathize with the plight of people that are coming here, but also say it's wrong for them to come. I am a big believer in making it easier and better for people to come to this country. I think we are a nation of immigrants. We should take pride in our immigration issues that we have that so many people still want to come to this country. We should be working on a plan with technology and otherwise to make it faster and easier for people to become citizens of this country. Doing the proper vetting and making sure that we, for the most part, as best as we can, we know who is coming and what their intentions are. We can accomplish all of that. There's no doubt that we can accomplish it. We aren't. And what we are doing with what's happening now is covering up a bigger problem, and therefore we're not solving it. That, to me, is the biggest insult. You, you factor in the drugs. You factor in what are what are being called special interest migrants. These are people that are coming from known terrorist countries. Many of them, after further investigation, are being detained because they're on the terror watch list. We've seen a 600% increase. And the reason that is is because now the world understands that effectively the southern border of the United States is open. 
They are now looking at doing an asylum deal for Venezuelan citizens because of what's happening in that country. At the same time, this administration is doing business with Venezuela, asking them for production of oil. I don't understand for all of the people out there that are climate uh, activists in their mind that they think climate change is a big deal in this country and fossil fuels are the biggest contributor to climate change and that they need to be uh, stopped. They need to be scaled way back. What have we done to reduce the need for them? The answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And this push to electric vehicles, are electric vehicles really that much more environmentally safe or is it just a different kind of pollution? What do we do with the batteries? How about the fact that those vehicles, when submerged in water in Hurricane Ian, are spontaneously combusting and putting those fires out is very, very difficult because it's not a normal kind of fire. It's a chemical reaction that's causing to these causing these fires to happen. And how long do you have to drive one of these vehicles to become fuel efficient or to become the uh, the better for the environment than what fossil fuels are all of this stuff if you're an activist if you are someone that is in, that believes that climate change is a horrible thing that's going to destroy the planet you should have answers to those questions before you advocate for anything else this administration's not slowing down at that at all and then you factor in this big push they have on climate change but all of the things that they are doing, and I'm, we're talking about the border, um, this activism that this administration has in climate change, they are talking about being kinder. They are talking about being better. They are talking about being more humane and not just in, in immigration but in these other areas, but specifically about immigration, specifically about immigration. How is, can anybody deem what's happening more humane than what was happening in the previous administration. You can't. It, it's just a. It, even if you if let's let's give the benefit of the doubt and say it was ugly. That let's say I don't necessarily agree with it, but for the sake of argument, this is no less ugly than what was happening before. It's a different kind of ugly, and it needs to stop. If you want to solve the problem, you have to expose the problem and then solve it. You don't hide it, and they're hiding it. There's no way anyone believes that the vice president of the United States has done anything to solve the problem of immigration that she was tasked with solving. There is no solution right now. Another 430,000 fentanyl pills were um, taken off the streets by federal agents in Avondale. This is a story at KTAR.com. The story was printed yesterday. Uh, it's an arrest that goes back to September, I believe. And the federal seizure and arrest happened the same week that the Phoenix Police Department made its largest fentanyl bust ever. Officer seized about a million pills containing the powerful synthetic opioid. Um, it is absolutely, without a doubt, absolutely one of the most dangerous things that's happening. And the last thing I'll say about immigration is – as Americans, aren't we embarrassed that the southern border of the United States has been deemed the most dangerous land crossing on the planet? How do we have the great country that we have, the ability we have with technology to change things? How do we not look at that as an embarrassment? What should be a source of pride for America, which is the world wants to come here. That's why we have the immigration issues we have and have a system that's orderly and fair for people. But it also prevents people from breaking our laws and coming in illegally. We're hearing more and more reports of violence by people that are in the country illegally. All of these things are true that are happening. And instead of exposing what's happening and dealing with it, it's continuing to cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. And I don't think it's helpful at all. At 
all. Going to talk about a story that goes back to the dossier against President Trump that was deemed to be pretty fake. And now we're seeing reports out that the FBI was going to pay this guy a million dollars for the information. So we're going to get to that coming up in just a couple of moments. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Saw an interesting story this morning. Um, Christopher Steele and the dossier that was written uh, that was alleged uh, that uh, Donald Trump did a lot of horrible things before he got elected, and it was debunked. It led to the Mueller investigation and a lot of other things, and from the beginning, it was kind of a dirty investigation. Um, and it, what's so odd about this is there are so many people that can't stand Donald Trump that they don't seem to care that this happened, and I find that to be odd because if it can happen to one person, it can happen to another person, and it should be something that people are held accountable for. Chris Christopher Steele was a foreign operative, uh, a British operative, uh, and uh, was um, was paid was uh, offered a million dollars to cooperate salacious allegations made in the dossier against President Donald Trump, members of, the, of his 2016 campaign, but he was unable to do so. Um, and so this dossier that was written, and it was started out as, um, as information, uh, I guess opposition research is what they call it in, in elections, and it was never substantiated. And there were years and years and years of Russian collusion investigations that went on, and they didn't find anything that came of it. And that's just politics. That's just how it is. Um, you know, and I don't I'm not here to defend Donald Trump or defend anybody. I'm just talking about the truth, weaponizing of there is nothing scarier. I don't think scarier than an out of control person that has power um, and which is one of the reasons why a lot of people hated Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, they, they thought he was out of control and he had way too much power as president of the United States. And. Um, what is interesting about that is you look at the FBI, and, and if you listen to the show for any amount of time, you'll know that there are very few people in the world, um, especially in media, that are more pro-law enforcement or as pro-law enforcement as I am. But when you start seeing people that are connected to prosecutions, when you start seeing leadership doing the wrong thing, when you start having people with power do the wrong thing, we all should be afraid of that because if it can happen to somebody you don't like, it can happen to somebody you do like. When you see what happened in FBI leadership, when FBI leadership was roundly criticized later on and some people lost their jobs because of the way they handled it, uh, the FISA courts, the Foreign Surveillance Intelligence Act, uh, uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and the FISA courts or the FISCs as they are called, um, they were designed – they were actually formed in the 1970s to make sure that um, there was a process of surveillance, that they could not just deem you, which they did in the past – a subversive organization and then surveil you, that there had to be checks and balances in these secret courts. And the way it's supposed to work is when an FBI agent, when someone at a field office decides that they're in an investigation that it's necessary to surveil a foreign operative or a foreign entity, they have to go through a laundry list of legal hoops they have to jump through internally. Lawyers with the FBI follow up and make sure you've dotted all the I's and and crossed all the T's. 
It also goes through the Justice Department all the way through and it ends up at the head of the Justice Department. When both organizations deem it done, it goes before a judge. That's why so many of them are being said yes to because all the legwork has already been done ahead of time. It's just verified by a judge. The reason why I say that is because in the end, we know that the people at the FBI who are supposed to be the last line of defense to make sure that illegitimate um, surveillance warrants were not given out were the very people that were applying for warrants they never should have gotten. And people were fired because of it. I look at this story, and I, I, I really do, for the sake of the divisive nature of Donald Trump, that the, the polarizing nature of Donald Trump, I wish we could take his name out of this because this is a major story. If this is true, if the Federal Bureau of Investigation actually was going to pay this guy all this money to verify things that he couldn't verify, if it looks like leadership, and you know how it is, rank and file and people, boots on the ground are a lot different than bureaucrats that climb the ladder and become leadership. They have to be politicians. They have to deal with things. This looks terrible, and it's scary, and it should not be this way. FBI supervisory counterintelligence analyst Brian Auten was the first witness in a trial of Igor Danchenko. The Russian national who serves as the primary subsource for the Steele anti-Trump dossier and has been charged with five counts of making false statements to the bureau. That should send chills down everybody's spine. Weaponizing a police agency. It's scary. You know, you locally here, if we had somebody in the prosecutor's office that had a vendetta and was using the power of their arrest power and, you know, prosecutorial power to go after someone, we should be terrified by that. If a police officer or police leadership has it out for someone and they start trying to get people to find charges, we all should worry about that. And to me, this is a bigger story and should remain a big story. It has nothing to do with who it is. It really doesn't. If it happened to Hillary Clinton, it would be as big a story to me. Um, We all should be concerned when we see things like this. And we should know that the people that are in leadership are there to be be fair, to be that they follow evidence. They don't follow personalities, that what they're looking for are crimes that are being committed. They're not trying to dredge up things. This dossier was proved to be useless, absolutely useless. And as a campaign tool, who cares? Again, in politics, no one cares, including myself. I do not care. But what I do care about is when you have what looks like an agenda. When people with power have an agenda, it needs to be cleaned up. I have friends that have been with the FBI, and uh, for their sake, you know, as much as they want to have the legacy of the agency they work for be clean, this is something every American should be concerned about. So I just thought I'd bring it to your attention. We'll be back tomorrow. If you are a social media user, the two ways you can find me, uh, one on Twitter and the other on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at BroomheadKTR. That's my personal Twitter handle. If you want to check me out there, I'd love to correspond. And uh, at Broomhead Show, by the way, it's... Follow us on the show. We've got the governor tomorrow and the sheriff of Lee County, Florida, with an update on Hurricane Ian. So you can follow that at Broomhead Show. And then Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, is how you can follow me on Instagram. I'd love to stay in touch between shows. Back tomorrow morning at around 8 a.m. to start a brand new day. I hope you can spend part of it with us. And uh, we'll be back to do that all over again. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.